vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about improvising our way around the world. Welcome back, beautiful teachers. The article we're publishing this week on the blog is called Sampling Salsa Through Piano Improvisation. It's by Rachel Palm, and I thoroughly suggest you check it out. Inspired by Rachel's post, I thought we would dive a bit deeper into one of the ideas I kind of touched upon last week in last week's episode. So last week we talked about finding music from different places, from different styles, finding music that's off our beaten path. And one of the ideas I talked about with that is taking the music and dissecting the components and either composing something or improvising with those components. Figuring out what the underlying structures are, what scales it's made up of, what rhythmic patterns are common, that kind of thing. Now in this episode, we're going to dive much deeper into that one idea of improvising based on the music you find. As we mentioned last week, sometimes you can find arrangements and that's definitely most of our comfort zone, right? That we are used to reading music, someone else arranging it for us or us writing it down ourselves, maybe even much more so than letting go of the page in front of us. And even if we're used to improvising, it's probably in those more classical styles, maybe jazz styles, maybe contemporary kind of film music uh, or minimalist kind of music, but not as much in different traditional musics from around the world. So if we want to improvise with a style of music, we need to first understand the components. What rhythmic patterns are common in this music? What scales or modes does it use most commonly? If any, um, maybe it doesn't have, maybe that's not part of its signature, but you need to unpack what is. Many of you will know that I've done a bit of dancing in my time, and I like to think of this like that. If you were to dance, say, uh, a waltz, a Viennese waltz, let's be more specific, right? If you were to dance a Viennese waltz, not my specialty, so excuse me if I get something wrong, but there would be certain characteristic moves in that. There would be the basic waltzing pattern that is done. There would be certain ways that you hold your head if you're the lady or the man, um, depending on whether you're leading or following, that kind of thing. And there's little specific signature moves, like I think the fleckerl belongs in the Viennese waltz. So that is just a loose recipe, a set of ingredients. With that, you can bake any kind of Viennese waltz, right? There's not one way to do it that's right. It's something that has characteristics and components But it's not one set of choreography. The choreography, this specific choreography, is like one of our pieces. So if we try and unpack music in that way, I think we can understand more broad styles than we do currently because much of it is not notated. Or when it is, that's a reinterpretation by someone from the Western tradition uh, rewriting their own version of it. But the original trad music was not 
formed in notation. And so there's some things that won't be picked up in those pieces. When you do understand those components, you can start to split up the different ideas that are involved and make them into smaller components, make them into bits and pieces that you could slot together somehow. And in Rachel's example article, which is a great way to look at it, she's looking at salsa specifically, and she suggests using one to two of these ideas for a mild or beginner version, three to four for a medium or intermediate version, and five to six for a hot or advanced version. So I love this way of looking at it because the more of these things you try to include, the more it's going to sound like that original style. In most cases, of course, you can overdo it, but in most cases, the more it's going to sound like that original style and the more advanced it's going to become, right? Because you're going to have to split these things up in your two-hand band, as Bradley Soash would call it, in your piano version of music that is often played by several instruments. So Rachel applies this to salsa, and we're going to start there, and then I'll give you another example. In her salsa examples, she gives some rhythms that are common, which is great because seeing them written out is obviously much more easy for us to understand and for some of our students as well, although you may like to do it with your students orally. So the first rhythm she gives us is in Kadai syllables, I would call it tum ti ta ta tum ti ta ta. Or in counting, that would be one, two and three, four, two and three, four. So... It's the same rhythm twice. The second rhythm she gives us is one, two, and three, four, and one, two, and three, and four, and. Right? So there's more dotted rhythm in there, and we've got some quavers. So there's a little bit more going on. But both of those are very accessible. In Kadai syllables, that that last rhythm would be tum, ti tum, ti tum, ti 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 ti. So either one of those versions is great, and depending on your student's level and the type of rhythm they're used to, or you can translate that into Gordon rhythms or whatever you like to use in your studio. The other element that Rachel takes out is these chord-based, broken chord sort of patterns, and she really simplifies them down. Now, if you listen to salsa music with your students, they'll get a sense of how this is often a lot more complex, there's a lot more going on in the other hand, or there's full chords going on sometimes, and et cetera, et cetera. But I like the simplified version she does. And these are shown in notation in the article. So I suggest you go check that out on the Colourful Keys blog if you're curious. It's not something that works super well in audio, of course. So she's taking, though, those common rhythmic patterns and the common broken chord or melody or whatever you want to call that, those patterns, the harmonic patterns, really, and putting them together in different ways that would be very accessible to students. If you have a student that can go much further, of course, you should do that. Now, I wanted to give you another example here, and I've chosen Irish traditional music. We're actually talking about trad music a lot inside the membership right now because we've just released Arrange Your Folk, which is an adaptable set of lesson plans for arranging any folk music. It could be the folk music where you live right now. It could be from your student's background, from your background, or just chosen at random from the world. It's a very flexible set of plans. Throughout those plans, I use Irish traditional music as a bit of an example, but the plans are very loose and could be applied to any set of songs or tunes you choose. So I'll use Irish trad as an example here as well. 
I'm sure many of you will be familiar with Irish trad music, or at least roughly the sound of it, although not the ins and outs. It is, of course, what we use for our Irish dancing here, as well as other things, of course, but it is used for Irish dancing, so it's something I grew up listening to, but not playing. So keep in mind that I'm not the expert and I don't come from a trad tradition and they wouldn't teach it this way at all. So if you're interested in playing Irish trad, you should get a real trad teacher, not me. But we're going to take a simplified version of something you might draw from Irish trad without that background. That's what we're all about in this episode. So if you look up Irish traditional music, you'll straight away come across a Wikipedia page, which explains a few things about the history of it and a few of the characteristics, such as the fact that it's generally modal and uses Ionian, Dorian, Aeolian and Mixolydian the most commonly. So that gives you some starting spot and I do think it's a great place to start talking about modes with your student if you haven't done that before and maybe exploring not Ionian or Aeolian but choosing one of the other two. So we'll choose Dorian today just for fun, okay? So it's going to be in Dorian mode and then we have a few characteristic dances and basically all the music is based off these dance rhythms and uh, styles. So there's jigs, there's hornpipes, there's reels, um, there's mazurkas less commonly, different things like that. We're going to go with a jig because I like to get students into 6-8 when I can. (laughs) So there's a really common jig pattern which comes up in a lot of jigs. Now, keep in mind, if you listen to a real trad player play these, they will put in embellishments, but the underlying melody, much like if you were to do a jazz standard, and there's that melody, right? And if you listen to a current jazz band, they will be straying way off that beaten path. Trad music less so, but they do embellish and throw in little bits and pieces for these common tunes that come up again and again. So a basic jig pattern, or the start of one, would be in 6-8, and it would go, I'll count in 6, first of all, just to make it clear. So it goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So that would be, I'm going to do it four ways. That would be, in UK terms, that would be crotchet, quaver, 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 crotchet, sorry, quaver, 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 crotchet, quaver. In American, in in North American, that would be quarter, eighth, 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 quarter, eighth. I was slightly out of time there, but I hope you'll forgive me because I'm trying to say all these different words. And in Kadai language, that would be ta, ti, 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 ta, ti. Okay, hope that makes it clear. At the end of the phrase, there's some more quavers usually thrown in. But to get even that basic rhythm will give you a feeling of a jig. In the left hand, then, it's going to be pretty consistent, or in many jigs. I'm just taking this as as a prototype. In many jigs, the left hand is going to pretty consistently do one, two, three, four, five, six. Or ta ti ta ti or crotchet, quaver, crotchet, quaver, or quarter, eighth, quarter, eighth. So it's just repeating itself in that in that pattern again and again and again. But when you combine that with that right hand pattern 
obviously um, the way they combine together is really interesting. So I would have my student tap those out with both hands or play them on just two notes on the piano and then they can start to understand the rhythm and how it fits together. After that, I would have them play the left hand probably first while I improvise the right hand so they can get a sense of how simple it could be. You might like to have the notation written up on a piece of card or a a small whiteboard that you put on the stand, something like that, so that they can track that the whole time. And they're going to be then playing that left hand in a basic pattern or you play the left hand in the basic pattern and they improvise. And then when they're really ready, they can start to put those together. But I would start by putting the left hand back to being just holding for the full bar. And then the right hand is improvising because that's going to be quite challenging to coordinate, especially for someone who's not used to improvising because they're thinking about what their right hand's going to play. And they're thinking about the right hand rhythm. If they think about the left hand rhythm as well, that's going to be pretty tough. So I would do it teacher and student student and teacher, right? So two different ways around. And then if they're going to play, I would first try it with a simplified left hand that just holds a chord or holds a single note for the whole bar. All of that will basically sound like a jig. Now, again, as I said, I'm not a trad player. Um, I just dabble in understanding this style of music and mostly I dance to it. So I know when it feels right. (laughs) But it does give you a sense of how you can come from the outside because that's essentially what I'm doing. After just having listened to a good bit of trad, I'm saying, okay, what are these rhythm patterns that are happening again and again? What's happening in terms of the harmony? And how can we remake that in our own way? Your one thing this week is to pick a style and research the components of that style. Pick at random or based on an interest of your own or a student's. Then come up with an improvisation pattern for just you. Or if it's going really well, try it with a student right away. I'm really looking forward to hearing how you get on, picking out your improvisation style and making a new improv prompt for you and your students. Do let me know how it goes. You can find me on Instagram at Colourful Keys or in the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers Facebook group. And I'm really looking forward to hearing how you go. See you next week. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up.